Welcome to Powerless to Powerful. This is the number one positive side of addiction podcast. My name is Mark Mascola. I'm glad to be here and grateful you are here as well. Powerless to Powerful is a book, a podcast, live and recorded workshops that we created for men and for the women who love those men. Our purpose is to help raise the percentages of men who realize the rewards of long-term recovery from addiction. Anyone can tell you how to get clean and sober. The game, my brother, is to remain clean and sober. How do we do it? Unlike so many recovery messages that focus on what is wrong with you, we use the psychology of empowerment to discover and awaken what is right with you, your strengths, your values, understanding your true identity and the man God created you to be and to become. Are you ready to find a purpose for your recovery and a purpose for your life because of your recovery? I know that's why you're here. I am willing to say the one thing most men in recovery want to say but won't. It's not in my nature to be powerless, and I can promise my brother it's not in yours either. Buckle up. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's session. Again, this is Mark Mascola, and man, I am so excited about today. Uh, the, excited about the launch of something completely different. You know, we, if, if you've made the Powerless to Powerful podcast, you know, we call this the number one positive side of addiction podcast because, you know, we are truly focused on helping people defeat the Goliath of addiction. Uh, and, and, you know, some of the language that I like to use uh, is, you know, find a purpose for your recovery and a purpose for your life because of your recovery. And uh, God has been after me for a long time to do what we are launching today. I've got a, I've, I've got a powerful guest on the line I'm going to introduce in just a minute. But, you know, what we're doing today is the first edition of the Powerless to Powerful interview series. And, um, you know, for those of you, again, who uh, doesn't matter which – podcast format, your, your, what platform you're listening to this on, or if you find your way to our website, um, you, you hear something on YouTube, or, or somebody says, man, you just need to go check out what these guys are all about, um, man, we're glad you're here. I'm excited to be here. You know, the last edition of the podcast was called, I didn't sign up for this. And if, you know, if you listen to that, you can go back and understand that, um, you know, my story began 20, over two decades ago, you know, 23-plus years ago when I went to treatment to just try to save my marriage and save my company. And, you know, in the first year, I lost them both. I mean, I, I, my life was a disaster. Um, I, I knew my health was failing, uh, and it was just I got to a place where, you know, Ashley uses the language all, all the time that, you know, uh, Every day is somebody someday. And, uh, you know, the day I made the decision on July 29th, 1999, to, to, that I just couldn't live the way that I was living, um, like I said, I, I, was going, I, was going, I was going to go to treatment. I was going to give up for a handful of days, and, and I was going to go try to save my marriage and my company. Um, but today, you know, I'm here today because God had a different purpose for me. Uh, and I'm so honored and grateful to be able to launch this new series. I've been, like I said, I've been talking about this for for quite a while, and it's just time to, to put it into action. So let me kind of set this up uh, for, you, for those of you who are listening, and then I'm going to introduce my guest, and he and I are, are, are going to chat about 
what they do in, in successful recovery. So when I coach and mentor someone in recovery, I help them realize that there's always a bigger picture than to just stop using. You know, I, I talk about the three distinct phases of recovery, and the first phase is the physical abstinence phase. You know, I just got to quit doing what I'm doing, and, and I call this the addition by subtraction phase because my life gets better when I start removing the things that, that are the source of, of my addiction. And then phase two is the rebuilding phase. This is where I start to put the life, my life back together that crumbled because of my addiction. And then phase three is the creation and life's purpose phase. And I say this is where the magic happens. This is where, you know, I know for me I found a, a purpose for my recovery and a purpose for my life because of my recovery. And when I, when now that I'm at this place where, um, you know, when I, when I tell guys uh, early in recovery to, to go to meetings and get a sponsor and, and go soak up as much information as you can, be a taker, be a consumer of information because what, there's going to be a, a point in time when you're going to be called to serve at a higher level, but you can't give away what you don't have. So go and be successful. Surround yourself. Be a tanker. And, and at some point, you'll be able to, to serve others. And so we're stepping into this new series, um, the Powerless to Powerful interview series, and it is my absolute pleasure, my guest today for the, for the introduction of what we're doing, the introductory uh, series, uh, is Dr. Mark Lasko from the Samaritan Recovery Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Lasko is the executive director, and, and as per the language on the Samaritan website, we're going to give you some information about it in just a second, he has dedicated his career to creating systems of care that provide holistic treatment. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get invited to a hard hat tour of the new facility they're creating and and i want to give you know dr lasco an opportunity today to talk about you know his his mission of uh, of where samaritan is and where they've come to but also lay out his vision for what they're doing because they are passionate about when i talk about the, um you know getting the, the the addiction part of this thing taken care of but the, being successful in long-term recovery is about ongoing care. So, you know, when I told Ashley that I was going on this hard hat tour, she was so excited because, you know, in what she's done in interventions and, and family coaching and planning and those sort of things, uh, she's just been a, been a real fan of what Samaritan has done for years. So today I'm going to have a conference, conversation with Dr. Mark Lasko. And uh, my brother, come on out here. Say hello. Yes, thanks for having me today, Mark. I really appreciate being on. Uh, you're right, Samaritan has been all about recovery for a long time. It's in our name, uh, Samaritan Recovery Community. So uh, just as a real quick overview, uh, Samaritan comes from a parable in the Bible where it talks about the good Samaritan, the person that took pity on someone that didn't deserve it but you know treated them with love and kindness. And that's what Samaritan's all about. Our, our vision is really to provide the most compassionate substance treatment that's available in Tennessee. That's the goal. We can't be the biggest. We can't be the most expensive. We don't have massage therapists here or anything like that, but we can treat you with love and kindness and respect and dignity, and that's what Samaritan's been about for the last 60 years. Um, well, isn't, I mean, isn't that kind of what, what the, whole, the whole game of life is, is just to just kind of let 
somebody who's struggling, let them know that they matter. Because when you deal with, with addicts and alcoholics, you know, I talk from experience, beating myself into that feeling of no self-image and worthlessness. And, and I, you know, when you talk about what Samaritan does, it, it gives people a, a chance to take a deep breath and step in to know that they matter because they're in a community of, of people that, that do what you guys do. Very, very true. Um, and, you know, a lot of people do different things. There is a whole, you know, medication-assisted treatment movement out there that's designed to help people stop using drugs um, or alcohol. That's not really our goal. And we're not against MAT or anything like that. We support anything that helps somebody get clean and sober. But our goal is to get people into recovery. And that's a little bit different than just rehab. That's how do you build someone and equip them with the tools that they are going to be able to live the rest of their life in recovery rather than for the next 30 or 60 days. Uh, so well, and, and when, you, when you talk to somebody like me, and, and you know, I, I, I say this all the time, you, know, you have a conversation with me about recovery, I'm going to give you my, my, my opinion based on my experience and I don't have a wide gray line when it comes to what does it mean to be in recovery. My recovery means total abstinence. And, and if you call, if people call me one of the grouchy old timers because of that, I don't live on that, that California sober line where, you know, I, I, I use, I smoke dope and, and, and I drink, but I quit taking pills. And I understand that, that there, is, there is a side of that that is the mitigation of risk and the goal being long-term recovery. But I'm one of those that's going to draw a line and say, you know, you're, in, you're either in the game or you're not in the game. And Ashley says all the time, you know, recovery is like pregnancy. You, you either are or you're not. Yeah. Well, and for Samaritan, what we have found is that we can get anybody clean and sober in a 28-day program. The question is how do you keep them clean and sober once they leave? So before we get into to all of of the you know and I was I'm just going to tell you man I was just blown away when I went through I mean how many stories of the building is over there five or six four five six and, you know I looked at at the library and I looked I got to see the cafeteria and and you know got to listen to to the the you know, not just the guys that were and gals that were doing the hard hat tour that were explaining to me. Uh, what, what the studs were and, and the, the door openings and how the electrical systems in there work, you know, what you guys had for us were the true industry professionals that are going to be interacting with the, the, the patients in the 28-day program. They're going to be interacting with the people who come there for, for the extended care and the halfway housing and the things that you're doing. So before we get into that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? And, and I know you, know, you come from, a, from, a, from an extreme place of service, and you don't want to make what we're talking about all about you any more than I want to make it about me. Um, but, you know, let's call it what it is. You know, we, we, we like to, to, to let people know that in order to get to this place where you want to serve at the extreme levels, there's a price to pay. And not, you know, it's, it's like I've had people tell me over the years, man, you know, I want what you got. And, I, and my, my answer to them is always, then you have to be willing to do what I do. And, and, that, and that's not 
it's not difficult, but I've put together a long-term plan. And so tell, tell people a little bit about your background and how you made it to Samaritan, and then we'll talk about kind of the vision of what you guys are creating, and you can lay out what somebody who checks in there day one, what they can uh, expect as they kind of walk through uh, the 28-day program and all the way through the, the extended and aftercare things that you guys are doing. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. I'll give you the quick overview. Uh, I was born and raised in Wilmington, Delaware, which is a long ways from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, But I grew up in a very loving family. I'm one of seven kids. Um, My family is uh, Jewish by background, but believers in Jesus, which puts us in a a fairly small minority of individuals. But uh, we grew up uh, studying the Word, learning about how to help others, how to, you know, be a positive difference in people's lives. For me, Mark, everything really changed in uh, 1993 when I was a 12, almost 13-year-old boy, and I was involved in a car accident. My older brother was driving us home from school and uh, was driving myself and my younger youngest brother home from school. We were in an accident, and both of their lives were taken. I was the only survivor who ran head oh, on wow. it trailer going about 65 Um, and that really you know shook me up as you can well imagine Uh, taking a family of seven kids down to five is no no uh, easy task Uh, I grew up you know with as I said a very loving family and so I was supported but by the time I got to college I decided that I wanted to be a history teacher and I remember my second semester I took a class called introduction to psychology it was an elective class, Mark, that I just had to take. And uh, somewhere about halfway through the book, maybe chapter six or seven, the professor started out the day and said, today we're going to talk about trauma and the effects that it has on people. And every single page was like the story of my life. And it kept flipping through. I'm like, that's why my grades started struggling. That's why my parents said I started becoming rebellious. That's why all these things. It was like suddenly a light bulb went off in my head. And by the time that lecture was done, that one day, I went up to the professor and said, hey, this is what happened to me, and everything you just talked about is my life. And we went back to her office and started talking. And, you know, by the end of the year, I decided I wanted to switch my major to psychology, and I wanted to help people because nobody helped me. It was really tough to get through that. Uh, My very first uh, job out of college, I finished with a master's degree in counseling. And my first job was at an addiction treatment center right outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I did that for about three and a half years. And then I got the opportunity to lead a 12-step program in a correctional facility, a small county jail. I did it, and I fell in love with helping people who could not deny that they had hit a rock bottom because they were incarcerated at this point. They lost their freedom. They were told when to sit up, when to use the bathroom, when to eat, and when to stop talking. And I really just, man, it was passionate. Uh, I loved that. I spent the next eight years working in forensic psychology, uh, working exclusively with people who were already incarcerated. Really loved that. It was, you know, a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it's all contract work, so I had to move fairly often, which is what brought me to the Deep South. Um, I originally lived for uh, around seven years in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, really enjoyed like helping that population of people. And th- by the way, every single person that's incarcerated 
is touched by addiction. If it's not their addiction, it's someone in their family's addiction. So that's that's probably no surprise to you or your listeners. But I really enjoyed that. Uh, then I got a twist of life when I got diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I am now nine years cancer-free, so thanks to God for that. Um, Let me and, clap my hands, and, and, and I'll tell you, I, uh, I'm four years. So uh, you, you and I are connected in more ways than you can imagine. So uh, praise the Lord on both, both accounts. God is good. Uh, so that that moment for me was just like, okay, what's what's now that I've got life restored? Once I got through cancer and was given the all clear, what what do I do with my life now? I'd been doing a lot of good work, but I wanted to change. So at that point, I went into uh, hospital management and I started running largely psychiatric facilities. I have my doc. By then, I earned my doctorate in clinical psychology. Um, so, which is why people call me doctor, although I like to point out it's a fake doctor. I'm not a real medical doctor. I just help people with counseling, but it's what I love to do. Um, I did that for several years, learning uh, the for-profit uh, financial management style that, that large Fortune 500 hospitals uh, utilize. And about a year and a half ago, I saw there was an opportunity to come to Samaritan, a small nonprofit that looked poised for growth. And a mentor of mine had told me, if, his name's Quint Studer. He said, if you can find a small nonprofit and use your for-profit business acumen, whatever I have there, um, you can really make a big difference in that nonprofit. So that's kind of what led me to Samaritan Recovery Community a year ago. So I hope I did a good job of giving you my background in as short a time as I could, Mark. Well, and you know what, what's interesting about that is is how many, you know, people will look at at, at you and 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 they'll ask, you know, what, how can you do what you do if you haven't been touched by addiction? And and what so many people struggle with is they don't understand that that the whole concept of addiction, it, the definition of addiction is is you know brain reward regardless of consequence. And you look at at your story. How many people, and how many people have you dealt with over the years who have had a traumatic experience like you, who their whole life is about addiction? You know, you were probably addicted to anger. You were addicted to so many things that had a reward that you couldn't explain that when you start understanding the true essence of, of a drug and an alcohol addiction, it's nothing more than, than a, a pornography addiction, an anger addiction. You know, the list goes on and on, and you can fill the blank in with whatever you want to. Oh, you're 100% right. There are 100 things you can be addicted to. And it's also worth noting that there are a lot of good things you can be addicted to. You know? Well, and that's, and that's why when you hear me talk about this podcast and I talk about the positive side of addiction, the thing that changed for me is, you know, I, and, and I, don't, I don't throw rocks and kick AA or NA. Those, those two programs saved my life. But at some point, I got in in towards the end of my first year in recovery i got i got tired of trying to figure out what was wrong with me and i bumped into um what's the guy's name seligman that did the positive psychology gig um you know at the university of pennsylvania or or one of those places and i ran into the little known science of positive psychology that has kind of taken Ashley and I into what we do, which we call the psychology of empowerment, which is about helping people 
understand their God-given strengths and then how to create their best life by using those strengths. And all of mine came from the place where I, I started, I, I got to a place where I quit asking myself, what's wrong with me? I started asking myself, what's right with me? What are my strengths? What are my values? And I started doing more of it. And my life transformed unbelievably. And so... That doesn't surprise um, me at all, Mark, because, you know, an addiction is just a habit, right? And so if you have... Those people who say, well, I've got an addictive mind. I've got an addictive personality. That's a huge benefit. You just have to figure out what's the good habit that you put yourself into. I'm a habitual person. I have my office set up exactly the way, same way every single day. I've got a notebook where I write everything down. And those are huge benefits because I direct my habits, my addictions, to positive things instead of yeah. negative. Yeah, well, and, and, and what I do is tell, uh, you know, when I'm working with, with, with a man in recovery, I always tell him the thing that worked for me is I didn't have to quit being an addict. I just had to change addictions. I, I, had to, I had to quit being addicted to drugs and alcohol and anger and work and all of those crazy things. And, you know, today I, I'm addicted to a relationship with a woman that I love who loves me. I'm addicted to being a really good dad. I'm addicted to doing podcasts like this. I'm addicted to creating courses and doing workshops and all of those sort of things that have a much different brain reward for me today than the, the negative things. You know, I'm addicted to positive things today, and that's why when, when I talk about this being the positive side of addiction podcast, you're not ever going to tell me, uh, get me to tell a guy to quit being an addict. I just say change your addictions. That's right. Yep, change your habits. That's exactly So right. So let's, let's start us with, with what – what you guys are doing over there. You know, like I said, I, y'all took me on several floors. Give, give uh, in as much time as you want to take, uh, give everybody who is listening to this, and, and, you know, just so you'll know, we're, we're going to put this out there because I want a lot of people to know what you guys are doing for a number of reasons. You know, let, let's call it what it is. You know, you, you guys run a nonprofit, but it takes money to run, run a nonprofit. You know, you're, you're looking to generate funds. We're, I'm going to be talking to Laura about some, some fundraising things that we'd like to do and help you guys with uh, because your goal is to make treatment and make the, the whole getting better process for people to make it affordable. You know, there, there are a lot of people who need to go to treatment that can't go out and, and be with the massage therapist and, and spend, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars to go to treatment. Right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So one of the things that separates Samaritan is that we are a community and it's in our name, Samaritan Recovery Community. Uh, that was really intentionally chosen by the board long before I got here to say, we don't want this just to be a rehab, a one and done and good luck, that we want to build a community. And we've done that. And that's, we do it now through several different areas. So the way that we're set up today, we have a 
our introduction, the, probably the, the first way that you could access Samaritan would be reaching out to our website. That's samctr.org. Um, going in there, and there's a, a number of different levels of care we offer. One of the first is what's called clinical detox. It used to be known as social detox, Mark. What it really means is we can help you as long as there's no chance that you need medical care for your detox. So we don't pre- pre- prescribe uh, medication-assisted treatment or anything like that here. If you come in and you're withdrawing from opiates, we're going to try to keep you as comfortable as possible and give you a safe place so you can spend the next three to five days cleaning up, getting sober. Um, The second step is our rehab. We have a generally 28 to 30-day program, depending on patient need. Uh, but generally, it's your traditional rehab. We are a 12-step program, although you know we're happy to really work within any 12-step program. It doesn't have to be a certain one. But the idea that there are going to be certain steps that you go through in order to help yourself change your life. And as you well know, Mark, they weren't based on the stages of change. That came out before the stages of change, but really they work together. If you follow those 12 steps, you'll find that you're, you're moving through those pre-contemplation, then you're working on the, act, the preparation and putting it in action and then trying to maintain it. So that's the program model that we use. After our, our rehab program, uh, and that's where most facilities will end, we actually have something called transitional living, which is a great affordable housing option. And it's on our property, and that's really, really key. A lot of people after rehab will either go back to their home, and there you struggle with people, places, and things, of course, or they go to a halfway house. And then you're just dealing with new people, places, and things, but maybe not necessarily any better. But our program doesn't do that. We have them housed on our campus. They continue to see the same nurse, the same medical director, the same counseling staff, the same kitchen staff. Uh, You know, they're still in our community. And they can live there for 90 days. We have 16 beds in our transitional living program, and we have a long, long waiting list of people to get in there because it's very affordable. Um, Generally, you'll spend about – you have to get a job and work your way through the program, but you'll spend about $400 a month for, to stay in our program, which is extremely affordable, even if you're you know, an hourly minimum wage employee, you could make that. Absolutely. Um, outside of that, we have our outpatient facility, IOP. And, and beyond that, we have our family concerned persons group. We do require anyone that comes to visit uh, for visiting hours on the weekend, has to attend our family session so that we can kind of talk to the family about how to be a good support, how not to enable somebody to continue to live in addiction, but instead enable someone to live positively in recovery, which is a big deal. We also have our alumni group, which is uh, very well attended. As a matter of fact, one of our board members, who you might have met, uh, Mark, when you were at our Hard Hat tour, uh, Mona Lisa is a uh, former graduate of Samaritan about 26 years ago, and now she's one of our board members. So we yeah, I, I, I had a I, I bumped. She was the first one that I bumped into walking into the door, and and just absolutely, uh, I'm going to tell you, I just as soon as I talked to her, it was like this place is awesome, and I haven't even been in there yet. Yes, yes, indeed. So we have a total of 56 beds, and that's our our clinical detox program, our rehab program, and our transitional living combined. As you know, you came to visit us at our new building. So we are building a 71,000-square-foot, five-story building. 
that will enable us to really separate out our programs by floor, to be able to have a little bit more separation and distinction, but still keep us all as one community, which is so, so very important to the success that we have. And I do plan on sharing some of the details, some of the numbers of our success with you. Um, but we're going to be growing our rehab program from 36 beds to 58 beds. So that's a huge, huge increase. And as you know, the community needs it. It's not like we're going to have a hard time filling those beds. In a matter of months, we'll be back to having a waiting list again. But still, to be able to provide that many more beds for that many more people is a big deal. Our transitional living, which is our affordable housing, we're planning to make a big change to that. A lot of that is contingent on us being able to raise funds. We're trying to do some fundraising. Thankfully, our building, Mark, is completely paid for. All we're trying to raise funds is some furniture and to be able to expand some of our programming. Our transitional living, I mentioned, is 90 days. We want to expand that to a full year because if we can get someone into recovery for a full year, the research shows even if they go back outside and they relapse, they're going to have enough fortitude built up that they'll get back on the wagon on their own without having to come to a residential treatment center. So let me so let me put the let me put the brakes on you here real quick. I want you to say that one more time for the people who are listening here. You know how many people in recovery uh, think, well, you know, I've been doing this for a week and my life hadn't changed. Been doing it for a month and my life hadn't changed. I can remember where I went to treatment the first the first time I walked into an aftercare program. I had a guy say to me, "If you will make a commitment to this thing for a year." And if you're anything like me, you've made plenty of commitments and never kept them. But if you will make a commitment to this thing for one year, your life will never be the same. And I remember that, Mark, like I was sitting in that room listening to the, that man say that, and I did that. That was truth that was spoken to you. Yep. That's why it made the impact. Yeah. Again, we keep people in for 90 days because that's what we can get funding for. Uh, but the year is going to be a, a big difference. For us, I think we run the very best program in the state of Tennessee and maybe even in, in the whole southeast. Uh, but with the best that we've done, if you complete our transitional living program, our 90-day program uh, here, about 73% of the people after 90 days are still clean and sober, arrest-free, employed, and housed. That's huge, but that's still over a quarter of the people that are not successful. And I right. think we're going to be able to improve that number. If we can say we're going to keep you here for a year, I think that number is going to go up to the 90% mark. Well, and it's, and it's like the, the email that I sent you about uh, us getting together and doing this it is to understand that that I know today in my heart of hearts, God is calling me to help, and, I, and I'll use this language specifically, help raise the percentages of people who reap the rewards of long-term recovery from addiction, not just six months, not just eight months. And I'm not, you know, this, this whole thing is, is people can't, People who are just getting started in, in recovery can't look at somebody like me, you know, 23-plus years sober and clean and sober and, and think, man, I, you know, I want, I want to be there. I, I, but I, don't, you don't have to have a vision that far. But you have to look at what do I want my life to look like. It, it, this can't be 
um, you know, the, the, the old saying that we hear all the time, you know, the, the pain pushes you until the vision pulls you. The pain pushes you to treatment. The pain pushes you to the place where it's time to, to, to start creating different outcomes. And what I have done with, with men for years is, is have them sit down and specifically write out the vision that they have for themselves as a husband and a father and a businessman and then ask themselves one question. Can I, can I become that man um, and continue my, my addiction? And when you start helping what, like you guys are doing, help people see farther down the road than just stopping using because they're surrounded by a community of like-minded people that everybody are reaching and stretching and growing. That, that's the game of, of, of long-term recovery. It really is. And part of the reason that we require people in our transitional living program, that's the 90-day program, part of the reason we require them to get a job is to help them stretch their vision a little bit, Mark, that it's not just about getting through this program clean and sober. It's about you finding a way to have gainful employment, provide a better life for you, provide a better life for your family or those you care about and that you love. That is so very, very vital to our program. And I mentioned yeah, we're going to try to extend that from 90 days to a full 365 days, but that's not even the best part. The best part is we're going from 16 beds to 42 beds, and that is going to be huge for us. Well, and and doing, you know, you being uh, the the studies that you've done in in master-level studies in, in this whole game of psychology, uh, you know, understanding that, that, you know, people complicate psychology. Psychology is just the whole science is about understanding why we do what we do. And what, what I've tried to help people with for years is to help them understand that the more positive emotions you can attach to the actions that you take in recovery, the easier the actions are to take. And it's just like, you know, I, I use the, the language all the time about, you know, you, if you look at your recovery like you do your muscles, you know, you go to the gym and, and you, you, you exercise or you exercise at home or you do whatever that takes to build that muscle, you may not like the exercise part of it, but you'll like the results for having exercised. And recovery works exactly the same way. You may not like going to a meeting. You may not like getting a sponsor. You may not like going to therapy. You may not like doing that. But if you can attach a positive emotion to what your life can become, you're, you will be more willing to take the actions and do the things that you may not want to do to create an outcome that I can promise you you do want to have. Very, very true. And, and some of the, I would say the biggest uh, mistake that most people make, the biggest assumption people make about psychology is that someone who studies it can tell you what will what you need to do differently to have a better life. And people ask me, oh, you're, you're, you know, you've got your doctorate in psychology. What should I do for my son in this case? And I can tell you very quickly what works for most people, but I can't tell you what's going to work for your son until we talk and get to know your son. A really good quote that I like is, you've got to be accessible to people to ever have a chance at changing people. Absolutely. Well, and that, I mean, isn't that the, the, the reason why 12-step meetings work is the fact that somebody like me who walked into my first 12-step meeting just absolutely terrified to be in there, but I sat down in a room full of people, and, and I didn't have 
to act like I was better than any of them, but the number one thing that I didn't have to do is I didn't have to feel less than any longer. I had found a solution, and I just needed to stay the course until my life changed. And again, such a blessing that you found a place that was willing to help you do that. Samaritan is the first place in Tennessee that was licensed. 59 years ago, 1964, we were founded. So we've been doing this as the first licensed treatment center in the state of Tennessee for a very long time. And we're focused on that, you know, what you just mentioned, Mark. Part of that is the community. You found a community of people that could help you learn a way to to grow, a way to live in recovery. And again, kind of what we talked about earlier, how do you, instead of giving up your habits or, you you know, just change your habits, how do you find a positive one? Another uh, good thing about the the new building for Samaritan is we're not just focusing on our own community. We're focusing on the community at large. So we're actually, in addition to the five-story, 71,000-square-foot, brand-new Samaritan Recovery Community Treatment Facility, we're also building 484 affordable apartments on our property that will be available for anyone in Nashville to purchase. But 48 of those will be reserved on a first-come, first-served basis for our graduates. So our plan is to be able to have people right here on the city block we occupy between 4th and 5th Street in downtown Nashville. We will be able to have people come in and do their detox and then do their uh, rehabilitation, their rehab, and then be able to do the next uh, 365 days in our transitional living program before eventually they move out into the affordable apartments. They could spend the rest of their life on our property still having access to our aftercare groups, our family groups, and our alumni groups. It's just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And, and you know, I, I was going to conclude with us today to, to say, you know, put your sales hat on here, Doc, and, and sell people into what you, you guys are doing, but I think you just did. You know, you cover it from, from, from somebody that struggles all the way to somebody that, that's celebrating, you know, we just got done with Easter and, and you know, that, that whole – redemptive feeling that we step in here with spring and, and the sun's out again and we're starting to feel good. Um, you know, the, the redemptive journey that people, uh, that, that, that are, you know, when, when you look at addiction and you, you understand people that, that are just walking around numb, I call them the walking dead to where they can find the redemption of, of, of God or, or whatever it takes them to say, I just can't live like this anymore. And they find a community like you guys are creating. And it just, you know, when you use the word community, it just takes one other person to give somebody uh, the vision that, man, if, if he can do it, I can do it. And if she can do it, I can do it. And, you know, it, it's like, you know, a lot of people in recovery like to use that word, man, I, uh, I, it's trigger warning. Don't, don't trigger. And, and I always tell people, you know, a, a trigger is nothing more than an opportunity to make a better decision next time. And so we've got to get to a place where, where we've got to start helping people understand that, that this you know, we, we live in this world where it just, it, you know, and, I, and I'm not kicking this whole concept of Narcan and all of this, you know, all of the, 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 the drug um, stuff that helps people mitigate risk to get on to the next place. But we can't, we, we, we've got to quit belittling the fact that this is life and death stuff. 
And, and what we're helping people with and what you're talking about, that's how many people have walked into Samaritan in the past 59 years who, who literally, if they'd have spent two more days on the street or two, two more days doing what they were doing, would no longer be here. Yeah, that, you're exactly right. And we don't belittle anyone either. I, again, I mentioned earlier, we believe any path that can get you into recovery, Samaritan will support. We don't do a lot of the things I mentioned, like medication-assisted treatment. That's really, we don't have the ability to do that. We don't have the capacity and capability to do that. There are good organizations that do that. Um, but at Samaritan, however you think you can best get to recovery, we're going to support you wherever you can find to do that. Yeah, and, and just so everybody who listens to this knows, I'm, I'm not throwing rocks at it. It wasn't my journey. Um, I, 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 I walk up on the, on a thin, thin line of recovery. You're either in or you're out, but this, whatever it takes to win the game, just win. Right. I mean, it, isn't that what it's all about? Yes, indeed. Yep. Getting people, extending life, giving people the opportunity to enjoy life and to find a purpose and find a meaning. And, you know, that's elusive to so many people and, so, and so many, like, stars. Look at how many, how many athletes, actors, musicians that end their own life. They have, from the outside world, everything in the world to live for, and yet they don't have it because they don't have that purpose. They've lost a right. sense of meaning and purpose. And that's what I think uh, Samaritan really does a good job, and I know you do as well with your organization and your outreach. You know, we're trying to help people realize there is a purpose for you. There is a greater purpose of something you can accomplish in the world that somebody else couldn't. And I tell people all the time, Mark, and you may do the same, I would never wish cancer on anybody in the world. I did six months of chemo and then 31 days of daily radiation. It was a beast. But I'm very glad I walked that path because now I'm prepared to help people in a way I never could have been otherwise. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, part of part of my story with this is I had just written the book Powerless to Powerful and had just launched this podcast and, and came down with throat cancer. And, you know, for a guy like me that likes to hear himself talk, to think that I don't know, I, I don't know what the journey looks, you know, I thought God was leading me somewhere. And, and I, like you, you know, ha- had to do the chemo and, and the 30-something treatments of radiation. And, you know, today I, I live with this big hole in the roof of my mouth that every time I swallow, food goes up and out my nose. But, you know, I, it gave me an outlook on life because I sat next to people who didn't get the same outcome that I had. You know, when you sit next to, you know, there are people who sit around and, and, and complain about addiction and, 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 and while it's, it's, it's deadly and, and we, we have to learn uh, how we can better help people, you know, go sit next to a, a 26-year-old cancer patient who is not going to make it. You know, I was sitting next to, to young people who were, who were my kid's age and, um, you know, it gave me a, a new spark and a new look. And, and when I came out the other end of it, I knew God uh, was not calling me to tuck my tail between my legs. He was talking to me, talking uh, and, and giving me an opportunity to speak louder and, and, and do more things. And the calling got bigger for me, just like it got bigger for you, right? Yes. Um, I, and I will tell you, if I have, do we have time to give a story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, and uh, 
I guess you can always edit it out if you need to, right? You got that power. But uh, when I went in for my last day of radiation, I did mine in Houston, Texas at MD Anderson, and it was difficult to be away from home for 30 days and away from family and things like that. On my last day, I was so excited, I went out and I bought six dozen donuts so that I could, you know, pass out donuts to everybody that was in the waiting room to get radiation that day. And uh, the lady that was sitting next to me, I offered her a donut and uh, told her I was so excited. I said, yep, today's my last day. I said, when's your last day? And she just laughed. She's like, oh, I've got adult leukemia. She said, I've, I've already done six years of this every single week, and I'll do it until the day I die. And I said, oh, my goodness. Wow. So tough. I said, you know, I just, what's, what's kept you strong? She said, well, my, you know, right after I got diagnosed, my daughter died in a car accident, so I have to raise my granddaughter. So I'm going to keep doing this every day until she's grown. And I thought, man, you know, my life is so easy by comparison. <laughs> and, yeah, and everyone, well, absolutely. Everyone needs those moments where you step back and say, I've got it a lot better than, than I thought. Yeah, well, and, and we'll and, and we'll end with 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 this story, and then, and then I'll I, then you know I, I'll let I'll let you put a bow on it. You know, when I ten days after I had my initial uh, surgery on my throat, um, I was alone at my house in Nashville, and I woke up at at three o'clock in the morning with this funny taste in my mouth, and I, I sat up, turned turned the light on, and I was covered with blood. And I had an aortic rupture in my throat from my surgery 10 days earlier. And every time my heart pumped, blood would squirt out of my mouth. And at my house in Nashville, I've got a driveway that's about 300 yards long down through the woods. And I knew I was in big trouble. And I got up and I, wa- I wandered out, um, you know, trying to dial 911, bleeding all over my phone. I got out to my porch because I didn't want to bleed to death in my house. And I was on the phone with the lady from 911, and I could see the, the, fire, uh, the fire truck and the ambulance at the top of the driveway. And, and I, was tell, I told the woman, she said, well, they're there. And I said, I can see them. They're at the top of the hill. Tell them to come down here because I'm dying. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find my keys to get in my truck to drive to the top of the hill. I knew if I tried to walk to the top of the hill, I would bleed to death before I got halfway up there. And I had to sit there, and I said that prayer um, that I had said 20 years earlier, uh, when it was time for me to get clean and sober, I said, God, I'm not willing to, I'm not ready to die. I need some help. And, uh, what ended up happening with me by the time the, the ambulance got down there, I guess my blood pressure had dropped so much, um, that I'm a real miracle because the hole in my throat sealed itself off and I made it to Vanderbilt for emergency surgery. So when you talk about, living with a purpose and a passion you know if you've ever and i know you have based on your story of 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 the car wreck you know you stared death in the eye uh and how many addicts and alcoholics stare down the barrel of the gun um you know figuratively and 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 for real and and you know step to step to to, to the other side of it and, and and realize how miraculous sometimes life is and and that you know there are there's a huge upside to uh um, to 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 these transformational life-changing moments like you and i have had and and now are willing to share with 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 lots of others yes very very true that's awesome to hear your story so um, put a bow on it give us uh tell us the website i'm going to put a link uh to there to the Samaritan uh, Recovery Community website. It will be on the uh, 
the, the Powerless to Powerful website, and we're going to share this in lots of places, but uh, tell people how they can find you, and, uh, and, and we'll call her quits. Sure. I appreciate that. So you can find us on our website at SAM, S-A-M-C-T-R, SAMCTR.org. Uh, you click on our about and find out about our programs. You scroll about halfway down, there's a video of what the new building is going to look like, the artist rendering. By the way, the building is completely up. Uh, they're finishing plumbing and electrical. We plan to move in in September of this year, so that's exciting. There is a donate tab as well. Um, if anyone cares to help donate and support our mission, it is a great mission, a great vision. Uh, we, we've got the stability of 59 years of doing this. Last year, we helped around 600 unique individuals to get into recovery. Uh, the next year, 2024, I'm going to expect over 1,200 thanks to our new bed. So. We're excited about what what is in the future for Samaritan and very appreciative, Mark, of you inviting me on here to be able to share a little bit about ourselves. Well, and, and let's uh, let's make this more of a, more of a habit than an occurrence. You know, let's let's let you guys get a get, get several months down the road. Let's do it again. And, and I know me and you and Laura and, and Ashley have lots to talk about as as we're moving forward as well. We we want to support you guys. And uh, man, I'm I'm grateful that uh, that you've taken taking time out of a very busy day to spend a little time with me to talk successful recovery and successful life because of recovery. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Boys and girls, thank you for uh, for being here on the uh, the Powerless to Powerful, the inaugural Powerless to Powerful interview session. And um, this is Mark Mascola wishing you a great day wherever you are in the world. You absolutely deserve it. My prayer is that today's session leaves you inspired to be the best husband, father, and businessman you can be by becoming the man the world needs you to become. You know, the same guy God created you to become. I invite you to go to www.powerlessthepowerful.com and check out all of the empowering things we have going on. There's the book, the video book. There are videos and links to our retreats and workshops. Right now, you can get instant access to a man's quest for his true identity video series. And I've even thrown in a great gift to help you awaken the man God created by helping you discover your core strengths. Check it all out at www.powerlesstopowerful.com. Till next time, this is Mark Mascola inviting you to be empowered. Bye for now.